traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. A lie will go halfway round the world while the truth is still pulling its boots on. It's a perfect line for our fake news post-truth times that could have been written yesterday. It probably started with Jonathan Swift in the 18th century and as most great lines tend to, was eventually, incorrectly, attributed to both Mark Twain and Winston Churchill. But who really cares anymore? Sounds good, pass it on. I'm David Taylor, and this week on the Slow News Podcast, we're looking at the messy conspiracy theory of 5G and COVID-19. We are all worrying at the moment about what we touch and what it might do to us if we come into contact with something terrible. Pandemics breed paranoia. But what about the information we come into contact with and pass on? I saw a Facebook message a couple of weeks ago that had a baffling collage of images. A coffin, some soldiers, a box of fried chicken, an x-ray of somebody's hand and Bill Gates holding a needle and a bottle of vaccine. I felt like I'd come into a movie with 10 minutes to go. It was really hard to work out what was going on, but whatever it was, I'm pretty sure the guy from Microsoft and Colonel Sanders were supposed to be in on it. There was also a phone mast. And that's where the great conspiracy theory of the moment jumps from social media into the real world. Because in parts of Britain, people have been setting fire to the next generation of phone masts that bring with them the promise of super-fast downloads and no buffering. Officials say the damage could hinder calls to emergency services. Attacks on 5G masts have increased after conspiracy theories emerged falsely linking coronavirus symptoms with the technology. Engineers have been harassed. But do you know what you're doing now? You're laying 5G? Yeah. You realise that, don't you? Yeah? Yeah. So you know that kills people? You know when they turn this on, it's going to kill everyone, and that's why they're building... Some people are spreading the idea that radiation from 5G masts has caused the COVID-19 pandemic. And others, like the person who created that weird Facebook post I saw, seem to think the virus was created deliberately as a cover to inject us all with tracking devices. This week, Eamon Holmes, one of the stars of daytime television in the UK appeared to give credence to the conspiracies on air. But what I don't accept is mainstream media immediately slapping that down as not true when they don't know it's not true. No one should attack or damage... The next day, after more than 400 complaints to the regulator Ofcom, Holmes was on air making clear there was no scientific evidence to support the conspiracy theories. So what's been going on? And why are these ideas spreading? We've had the investigative reporter James Ball looking for answers. Hi, James. Hi, Dave. James, you've been thinking about 5G for a while. Can you tell me what first triggered your interest? Well, in about 2017, I published a book called Post-Truth that sort of tried to look into 
quite a lot of fringe theories, usually false ones, that I'd come across sort of in the spread of Brexit, in Trump, in all sorts of things. And you come across a lot of movements there. And the movement against EMF or electromagnetic sort of radiation was quite a big one. And this is people who are against Wi-Fi, against 3G, against 4G, usually whichever is newest at the time. And 5G then was sort of just quite a fringe part of that movement. And so ever since, you might get, you know, in your inbox about once a month, maybe once a week at a peak time, someone saying you should really investigate the cover-up on how dangerous either Wi-Fi or 4G or 5G was. But you didn't think that much about it. And their concerns were were mostly about health issues rather than privacy issues, because I know you have clearly written a lot in that area. Yeah, so there's all sorts of things to worry about, about an expansion of the internet. Who's owning it? Who's spying on you with it? How is it going to be used for things like net neutrality? You know, will corporations be able to get data to you faster than individuals? What I was getting from these people were either, is it being used for mind control? Is it part of a one world government? But much more often, actually, is this safe? Is this being rolled out to suit big businesses, but it could give your children cancer or could it sort of harm you in some other way. Got it. And that was sort of the more common concern. Mm. So it was on your mind and then obviously lockdown began. What happened next? Well, what seemed to happen was this sort of 5G thing went from a very, very niche concern that I would see sort of about as often as alien conspiracies to something that was sort of all around me in real life. I was queuing for the supermarket on the road at the end of my house in Finsbury Park and sort of spent 30 minutes behind two men in a queue talking very earnestly about how coronavirus was a cover-up and 5G, which essentially is just a faster mobile internet technology, had first been rolled out in Wuhan and, you know, there's a lot that goes on that we don't know about. And you got all that in the queue for Tesco. I heard that at length and... While that's anecdotal, it's always interesting when something breaks out from a fringe conspiracy on the internet to real life. And so I started tracking it a bit more earnestly and it had really, really blown up in the last few weeks. So you got home with your shopping, you started digging. What did you do next? So, well, you know, as ever, if you want to find a fringe theory on the internet, you uh, look on Facebook and (laughs) you'd look in some quite sort of normal groups that They'd been doing pretty routine local government stuff. There were groups in Brighton and a few other towns that had been getting their councils to challenge putting up 5G masts. And now they were full of people sharing sort of conspiracy videos, some of them just saying there were health links between corona and 5G, some of them going a lot, lot further than that and saying, you know, 5G was part of vast international conspiracies. And some of these seemed to have some quite sort of respectable people in them. There were barristers in there. There were academics doing videos about it. There was even the um, police and crime commissioner of Thames Valley attached to quite a lot of these events, who actually himself had warned about fake news and misinformation in his official capacity during Corona. And so I started thinking this isn't just affecting people at the fringes, this this seems to be resonating with people. And what are they sharing? 
I mean, a lot of the time they're sharing David Icke, um, who is a notorious sort of conspiracy theorist who said the world is run by lizard people. But, you know, he did several very lengthy interviews where he sort of led from people's questions around, is this safe? Are there parallels between the timing of the rollout and people getting sick? Quite legitimate concerns, whether they're true or not. And jumping right to it being a ploy with Bill Gates at the fore to um, roll out nanotechnology in the form of a fake vaccine. And what was odd with in these Facebook groups and these other sort of forums was it seemed to escalate very quickly from people asking a few questions because they were a bit worried to suddenly signing up to a very, very extreme conspiracy theory. He's certainly by no means the only public figure who's been helping this along. No, you've seen quite a few sort of celebrities and other people sort of boost it. Amanda Holden uh, shared sort of 5G conspiracy theories and then sort of pulled back on it. MIA and John Cusack and all sorts of people have sort of pushed these ideas around. And so it's got in front of a lot of people. And I mean, the David Icke videos have each racked up about 7 million views plus. And do you feel like tech companies and broadcasters are doing anything? So the companies are trying to do some things, but they've got to be a bit careful about this. WhatsApp's trying measures to stop what you can forward. Facebook and Twitter are trying to minimise the misinformation. The BBC alerted YouTube uh, last night to a conspiracy theory video featuring uh, David Icke. He also made claims that any vaccine would include microchips by which uh, people would end up being controlled. Uh, just the kind of fake information that YouTube has said it will not allow. It is now. But it does mean the people who share it round to their family and their friends can go, look, they're mm, trying to censor yeah. it. Would they censor it if it wasn't yeah, true? Yeah. And so it's always quite difficult responding to misinformation with these sort of relatively heavy handed consequences. Speaking of consequences, you've been looking at the real world consequences of this too. What's been going on? I think one particularly sad example was um, the Nightingale Hospital in Birmingham had the 5G mast it had installed attacked and burned down. And of course, that's essential if people want to be able to say any kind of farewell to a dying relative or just if NHS workers want to be able to talk to their families on a break on their shift. And so, you know, this sort of panic over coronavirus is actually having real impacts on the effort to tackle it. Thinking about the NHS and those very communal moments we've all been sharing with the clap for carers on a Thursday evening, that somehow has been drawn into the whole conspiracy landscape as well. Well, one of the more extreme sort of versions of the theory is that the people who are getting ill is a reaction against the much higher level of radiation 5G puts out. Um, 5G is a slightly higher powered signal than 4G. The towers are a bit closer together to help you have faster internet. Um, but the idea is, you know, the government's just accepted it will kill some people off as they sort of speed up rolling out these towers. And the theory has gone round that these need testing once a week that will make some loud noise. And so the government or the shadow government orchestrated a clap for the NHS where people would make a lot of loud noises so that no one would notice the 5G testing, which may have started as a prank. But as ever in this conspiracy world, people see it, believe it, and then it gets spread sincerely. 
let's just step back a bit. What exactly do people believe about 5G and why? You talk to a woman in the US. Tell me about her. So, so she was a woman called uh, Kate Keel. I have been working on the 5G issue for over a decade now. Um, She'd sort of become concerned about all sorts of uh, things, you know. I, I've always been a little bit of mistrustful of the unnatural toxins in the air, pollutants in the air. Chemicals or, in food, plastics. Uh, or... Unnatural medical procedures or whatever. And she'd come to uh, really focus on 5G. It's not to exclude 4G, 3G, 2G and other sources of wireless radiation. They are all potentially harmful. 5G is just the focus right now because it is such a significant and quantum change from 4G. And she was quite keen to say she was just speaking for herself, but, you know, in her view, she's listened to overwhelming evidence that's made her think this this sort of radiation is not safe at all. We are living in a soup, essentially a soup of microwave radiation. Um, that is of deep concern for me. For her, 5G went a long way beyond just health. She was worried about other effects on our lives, on screen time, on invasion into our sort of private spaces. But, you know, health had been this overwhelming concern for her in that she just felt quite sure that we hadn't checked the safety effects of non-ionising radiation, which is everything like radio waves, like TV broadcasts, phone signals, Wi-Fi, and is sort of given that quite strange name to distinguish it from things like X-rays, which actually, you know, we know are really quite dangerous, even at low doses, because they ionise your cells, they knock electrons off them and, you know, can cause quite directly cancers or mutations in that way. And did you feel you wanted to get to the bottom of the science by this time? I sort of felt like a lot of people in 5G were coming from a quite earnest place of being worried about a technology they didn't understand. And I thought it was kind of rude just to go, oh, you're silly or oh, you're stupid or oh, this is ridiculous. And so I I did sort of want to hear, well, what is this non-ionising radiation? What's it used for? And have we done research on what effects it can have? Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill, if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And it turned out that we had. So, James, the next thing you did was speak to Sophie Scott. And I'm the director of the Institute for Cognitive Neuroscience at University College London. One of the big tools that they use in neuroscience is called MRI or fMRI, which stands for Functional Magnetic Resonance Imagery, which is those scanners you go in if you need a brain scan or a sort of scan of your spine. And what I didn't know is, as well as being a huge magnet, they send really powerful electromagnetic radiation pulses as part of making those scans at much, much, much higher doses than we would ever be exposed to in normal life. And so it turns out she has to be very, very aware of the safe limits and the effects of electromagnetic radiation to make sure that subjects of her experiments are safe. What we, we tend to think of functional magnetic resonance imaging as being something that involves a big magnet, and that's the main risk. And of course, it is a big risk, and we do need to think about that. But we also need to pay attention to the radio frequency pulses because actually they're the things that are also very tight limitations on in terms of the uh, the amount of the dose you can expose somebody to. Okay, James, keep us honest here. I need you to explain again how radiation and radio frequencies link to 5G. So I think what we need to think about here is that 5G isn't some weird new technology in terms of being some untested thing from the wild. It is just a different type of radio wave of the type we use to send radio, television, that we used for 3G, 2G, Wi-Fi, you know, you name it. The technology might be different in terms of the end use, but the actual element of the radio frequency spectra that we were being exposed to, that hasn't changed. It's not even a new bit of the spectrum. It's reused bits that we used to use for analogue television or a bunch of other things. And the argument essentially is that we've known about these for a long time. They exist in nature. We get sort of bombarded by it from space too. And it can do two things that are sort of potentially dangerous or worrying for us. The first is they can cause harmless but quite distressing things such as like tingling in your fingers. And that's one of the things we sometimes get in fMRI. People can actually experience nerve stimulation. And the other thing is that they heat you up slightly. And while that sounds... Uh, either scary or terrifying, it's something you absolutely need to pay attention to because even a one degree change in your core body temperature can have enormous implications. So that's what... Sophie was very, very clear. We shouldn't just go, oh, it only heats you up. That is very dangerous and they check for it, but it's just not a real risk at the levels that we would be exposed to it. And in fact, there are some scanning sequences we use where the absolute limitation on those scanning sequences is the amount of radio frequency somebody has been exposed to. So when we do what are called dynamic imaging sequences, you run the sequence really, really quickly, and you're basically making a video for somebody inside the scanner, moving their mouth or whatever. And we can't run that for more than 50 seconds, because after that, you would start to get into the territory where the power is sufficient that you would actually start to warm up, which yeah. history looks unkindly on scientists who cook their participants. I think that's it. I'm guessing. <laughs> and what you do is you can then scan them again, but you have to wait for enough time for their temperatures to come back down and then you do it again. It's completely part of the protocol. It's an entirely safe protocol because we are observing the safe limits on it. Um, 5G, it's at a higher frequency, but you would never be exposed to that kind of level of being the intensity of the source because it doesn't need to be transmitted in the same way. Does that make sense? One thing that was quite reassuring was... You know, Sophie was talking about 
how if you spend too long in one of the MRI machines that she uses, you can cook. And so, of course, I was very keen to try and hear her say, well, if we can cook in one of those, why isn't that a risk if there's a 5G tower on the roof of my kid's school or at the end of my road? Well, I think the point is that although it might feel like it's really close, it's on the roof, you've already got the inverse square rule means that you are very, very rapidly moving away from the power of that source. So even by the time you're a floor below it, or two floors below or three floors below it, it's dropped away hugely in terms of the power of that signal. And so you are not being exposed to anything like the kind of thing we're doing with fMRI, where we are literally putting somebody in the thing that is generating the source of the, of the radio frequency pulses. So these fears have definitely been amplified since the coronavirus. But are we always like this with new technology, James? Yes. I mean, Sophie was very strong on this. She says this is very much not the first time humans have reacted like this. I don't think I can think of a single example of a new technology that humans haven't worried about. I mean, what, humans worried massively about things like the post and, you know, it's what, what malfeasance might come about if people could, um, you know, get in contact with each other with letters. It's something that we worry about and it's something that we can have quite strong emotional reactions to. And that's not unusual and that's not new. But at the same time, one of the things that science has been fairly good at, science and engineering, is trying to understand the thing that we're looking at. And although it might be very boring, going away and reading all the stuff about how people come up with the terms for how you can actually determine what's a safe dose, what's the right amount of time, what would be the implications of these changes in temperature, then that, that's been done. So James, thinking back to the interview you did with Kate in the US, I think you asked her, was there anything at all that could persuade her that 5G was oh, wow. safe? What would I need to be convinced that radiation, wireless radiation, is not bioactive and harmful to myself? I would need every single frequency and every single different permutation of modulations, which is the data attached to the frequencies, to be tested on every single being, both alone and in combination with other frequencies and other modulations and in alone and in combination with us with other environmental pollutants that can act synergistically with wireless radiation all of which impacts the lethality of the other in other words pollution um, air pollution food additives mold all of these things can act synergistically with wireless radiation so there has to be a whole lot more science now why can't we just test all the spectrums and all the effects in case there's some effects that we don't know about i suppose because at one hand biological entities like humans and cats and dogs and stuff that lives on the earth it's not wildly different in terms of their basic physiology so if something is affecting birds it's probably going to affect us in fact that's how microwaves were discovered but cooked birds dropping out of the sky. You know? So you, you can scale. That's why we do tests on, on animals before we take them into humans. So you don't need to test everything on everything. If you were to apply that to drugs, nothing would ever come to market. And it's also the case that the same, although the frequencies vary and the power varies, the mechanism remains the same. You're in the territory of non-ionizing radiation. So it is 
limited in the effects that it can have. As soon as you get to ionising radiation, which I have also worked with, fabulous uh, technique for lots of things in science, but it brings you a whole different set of problems. And the problems associated with both, we know about partly through scientific studies and also through simply epidemiological studies of how things have happened in the world. So we know a huge amount about ionising radiation and safety levels because of things that happened at the end of the Second World War, when very large amounts of radiation in specific areas occurred and we could track how that affected people. You don't need to be on a study to do that. It's happened and we go in and ask questions about it. And the same is done with epidemiological studies of non-ionising radiation, such that you don't find bumps of, say, cancers around particular kinds of transmitters or mobile phone use or Wi-Fi. Very specifically on the world that we're in, a lot more people are worried about 5G than were a month ago. I've heard people say that 5G could be changing the structure of viruses so that they're harder for your immune system to treat. There are people who are saying it provokes a poison reaction in your cells and there's no virus at all. There are people who are saying that 5G, because it damages your immune system or sort of makes it weaker, the virus is real, but you can't fight it off as well. You know, I, what can you say to people like that or people who listen to that and think it makes it makes sense? It could be a worry. It's really difficult because I think turning around and saying, well, that's ridiculous, doesn't help. And it makes people, if anything, double down. But I think if you can say, look, these are the things that it does. And it's, I know it sounds stupid, but I think the example of heating is really important. You do not want to be heated up a lot. Now, that's how your microwave works. That is a risk. So it's not that it is without risk. That is a very clearly known risk right across the board with this sort of thing. And that's one of the main things that's monitored. If you want to say, and actually examine the mechanisms by which it could be having other kinds of effects, then you would need to be able to say, well, let's talk about how that could happen. What are things that could do that? Something that makes the molecules wobble around and warm up the tissues. I think it's worth engaging in a conversation about it. I think just saying, no, that's stupid. The, the, the sort of peroration by Ehrman Holmes yesterday was driven by someone saying, well, that's just a stupid idea. There's a saying, isn't there? You know, to a woman with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I'm a scientist. And I'm going to go back to a scientific explanation. But I would want to have that scientific conversation with somebody and say, well, this is what we know about how all of these things affect stuff. This is what the radiation, this non-ionising radiation does. This is what it doesn't do. So what else is there? What else could be kind of something that's causing that? And also the mechanism for how you could be, you know, causing poisons or creating viruses. Again, that's, well, that's actually... Viruses are much weirder than that. Viruses are already one of the strangest things that exists on Earth. So you you don't need to magic up another a kind of complicated mechanism for it. They're already terrifyingly strange. So she mentioned Eamon Holmes there. I talked about his comments earlier this week, his back and forth. What did Sophie have to say about that? She was quite interesting on Eamon Holmes. She didn't think he was wrong to have sympathy with people asking questions. But she did have one sort of concern that he went quite a lot further than that. It wasn't so much that he touched on it. I thought the fact that he just went straight down the conspiracy route with it, that's more worrying. The conspiracy side of things is the harder one to deal with because humans love their conspiracies. They adore it. It makes life so much more interesting. And, you know, and, and it saves you from the horror that an animal, a human can have an interaction with an animal that then leads to 
hundreds of thousands of deaths around the world and causes everything to grind to a halt because of random chance. That is much more scary, and that's the truth. So you can see why people cling to and desire a conspiracy behind it because it makes sense and it fits a narrative and we've got some bad guys and some good guys here and then that's easier to deal with than the sheer horror of a careless universe that doesn't care if you live or die. So James, what did you feel you'd learned this week? I think I've come out of it with more sympathy for people who are worried about 5G. I think it's quite an anxious time. People are worried about their parents, about their kids, about this virus and what's happening in the world. And they look for answers and they start looking at something like electromagnetic radiation and it's quite worrying to them. And it feels like a lot of the responses to it are to laugh at them or to say they're stupid or just to dismiss it as ridiculous. And I'm completely convinced on the science and the safety of the technology, but I think we've got to learn how to talk to people who aren't yet and are asking questions and try and stop them going from asking a few quite sensible questions to ending up sort of in the arms of conspiracy theorists and hucksters who will sort of tell them all sorts of nonsense and maybe exploit them. And I think if we can't try and sort of treat them with a bit of respect and answer them and try and point them to good sources of information, we're going to see this 5G conspiracy and its real-world consequences get a lot worse. James, thanks so much. That's brilliant. Thank you. As ever, thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, we've just launched another one, The Tortoise Interview, as a new series on Spotify and iTunes. You can also download our app and get a 30-day free trial. Stay safe and see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job. And we have to find out, who did they kill? 
if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.